0: up, everybody. Welcome to the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Thanks so much for joining me today. Men don't realize that right now matters. In this episode, Tim Brown from Reup Men's Movement discusses the importance of helping men realize that growing in their walk with Jesus matters today. Tim shares some pretty staggering statistics about men today, specifically our young men, and creates a sense of urgency with this episode. My only regret is We don't have the recordings two through four that follow this episode and flesh out the what to do behind the things are looking bleak. So I'm going to point you to reupmen.com for further resources and also check out Tim's podcast, God and a Man. Let's dive in and hear from Tim Brown of Reup Men's Movement as he discusses how to disciple men, how to call them up, how to call them forward in their relationship with Jesus today. Enjoy the episode.
1: Well, I'm going to go ahead and start. We may still have some guys roll in here. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming. I live, in, I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's about 50 miles north of Nashville. It's about 100 miles south of Louisville. Yeah, I'm just kind of a regular dude that for some reason when the Lord, uh, I kind of say it this way, I, he reached a, his hand into a bucket of about 1,000 guys, if, I, if you said it that way. I was a guy probably at the very bottom of the bucket, and I have no idea how he pulled me out of there. To want to try to use me as his conduit to do anything? Again, I'm not going to give you a lot of details, but I'm a guy that has done everything you're not supposed to. And this is going to really sound like a self-promotion thing here, so don't don't take this the wrong way. But that's one of the reasons. I, a couple years ago, I got asked to write a book. And aren't you impressed that I wrote a book? Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah. But basically, it, you know, it just it and the and the reason I got felt like the Lord gave me that assignment was I really felt like my story was could encourage any man that if God could use me (laughs) of all people in any way form or fashion to be a man who can make a difference then he can do that with anybody and I firmly believe that and that's one of the reasons I try to be obedient and on this mandate that he's laid before me and uh, this ministry which is to go out and help men be the men God created them to be. Uh, we are living in a world today who desperately, desperately needs godly men. So we, I'm again, I'm that guy that literally, I mean, when guys have read my book, they were like, golly, man, you were a train wreck. I'm like, yeah, I was. But it just shows you who God is. And uh, and that He can do that with anybody. So, so what I want to share with you in our time together is just Uh, Some things that we have seen and learned, I hope it will encourage you and challenge you. You have the opportunity to be a part of building God's kingdom through a movement of men. And we desperately need a movement of men right now. Our culture, our churches, our homes, our community, we are desperate for a movement of men. For the last 14 years, we've been out trying to be faithful and just uh, get out here and try to create context, resources, structure, ways to help guys so so God can be who only God can be and God can do what only God can do in these men's lives. We've seen amazing life change. We've seen men come out of the shadows and step back into the game and have pulled up their bootstraps and are out here. Because, guys, if you don't have not realize, there's an all-out war against manhood right now. Like never before. And we are at a desperate point for a movement of men. So I'm going to kind of share four focuses with you tonight and talk through them a little bit. But one of the things that we're also trying to do is is help the church. And I'm not trying to bash the church, okay? I believe the church is an instrument to change the world. But to to help the church start building men so they can be disciple-makers and go do what God called us to do, which is make disciples. I'm telling you, men aren't making disciples right now because they don't know how. Men aren't making disciples because they don't even know how to be a disciple. And we got to help men with that. Uh, The enemy is absolutely wearing men out right now. And has got us so distracted from what we really need to be focusing on. And so, as I said, about 14 years ago, me and another group of guys just started to feel like the Lord was pressing upon us that we needed to do something to start giving men what they were looking for. Okay? And uh, we're going to look at some stats here in a minute that are going to show you that we haven't been necessarily giving men what they've been looking for. And, but when, when they get it and they see it, they'll embrace it, they'll engage it, and they'll connect to it, and they'll stay the course. Unfortunately, men have become known in our society as quitters. Men will start something, but then we quit. If you're a pastor, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Most pastors we talk about, uh, they say, well, yeah, you know, we do, we'll have a little men's Bible study, or uh, did somebody say men's breakfast a while ago or whatever? You know, we'll do something like that. We'll have 30, 40 guys. Within a few weeks, you know, we get 10 to show up. We're, you know, that's a good day. And because men are quitters. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, men are quitters. We are. And the reason we forget, I mean, the reason we quit is because we forget. And the reason we forget is because the enemy is messing with us. And, and, and the number one thing he's doing is he's attacking our identity. I'm going to talk a whole lot about that here in a minute. So, we've also learned that men aren't necessarily looking for ministry. Okay? Men are looking for a system that will help them grow into the man they want to be. Men's ministry we've been doing for a long time, and look where we're at. We're worse off than we've ever been. And we all know what the definition of insanity is, right? Right? doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. Well, that's what we've been doing with men. And guys, the number of, of, of pastors and leaders of churches that I've sat with, that this has come out of their mouth. And I'm, now, you don't, here, let me. I forgot to say this. I'm a very intense guy. Before it's over now, you're going to see that. As a matter of fact, you guys sitting up front may get a little spit on you. Okay? Because I'm really intense about this. Because I know what this can do. I've seen what God can do. So I'm really fired up about this. I'm intense. But here's the other thing is, um, I'm going to be very truthful. And I'm going to say some things that some of you probably aren't going to like. But here's what I want you to do. Please don't throw out the message because of the messenger. Because my my style of delivery is not necessarily for everybody. Because I'm an in-your-face kind of guy. I, I just am. I'm an old athlete and I'm just... I mean, I'm, we're, we're going to get after it. And if you don't want to get after it, I'll hit you. You know, I mean, that's just who I am. But anyway, so please don't do that, okay? Because all I'm going to tell you tonight is the truth, okay? I'm going to be very truthful with you. And here's what we're learning with men right now. That's exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. You have got to flat out tell them the truth. A friend of mine shared this with me a few years ago. and Boy, I really believe we have taken this hook, line, and sinker. Is men have been so good at giving excuses that other men have become really good at accepting those excuses, and we got to quit letting men off the hook, guys. We got to get, we got to start going. No, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to that. No, no, no way. I'm not letting you off the hook. You're God's man. So again, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very in your face. I'm going to be very intense. But that's what we're finding men are reacting to right now. They want the truth. Just They're big boys. Tell them the truth. Yeah. So, the number of pastors and leaders, if you're a pastor, I'm not indicting you in here tonight, that I've sat across from the last 14 years. We've worked with thousands of men in nine different states. Aren't you impressed? Okay. But the number of pastors that have told me, Tim, we've just given up on our men. We're just running with the women and the children. Mm-hmm. Right now, if I got up here on my computer and we pulled up a hundred church websites across the United States, if we found ten of them that had a drop-down box for men's ministry, it'd be a good night. It's not there. We're not doing it. We're giving up on them. Now, pastors don't like this when I say this to them, but I say, show me where that's biblical, that you're giving up on men. Show me where that's biblical. Because when I read God's Word, man, when there's a true movement of God, there's a movement of men. You don't have to take my word for it. Let's just kind of see what's happening out there right now. Okay? Barna research prior to COVID. An average church congregation is only made up of 37% males. That has dropped since COVID. So that means only about 3 out of 10 that walk through your doors today are men. And we've had, I'm telling you, we've had... 50 churches test that, like in a six week time frame. Always comes out to 35 to 40 percent. I don't care what church you are, but here's the number that, go down to the next number. Here's the one most of us guys, is there anybody in here under the age of 30? Two. Let's look at the next number. Of that 37 percent, only 3 percent of a church's makeup today is young men ages 18 to 34. Young men are abandoning the church. You know why? Number one answer on the board, flip it over, no male leadership. Their church isn't offering a context for younger men to mix with older men. That's another question I ask pastors. Show me your plan to mix the older men in your congregation that have value with your younger men. Show me that plan. They look at me again like i got six heads. What are you talking about? Well, you should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Especially when that's what they're looking for. These younger men, they're dying for that. They want to know what a biblical man looks like. Leads to the next number. 85% of all lay leadership done in the church today is done by women. Here's a number that's not on there. 75% of all biblical teaching today is being done by women. If you work in a youth department, if you can get two men to show up on a Sunday morning, you'll throw a party. You know who's working most of the most high school, middle school and high school youth department? Women. How in the world does a young man that shows up there, how's that woman going to show him how to be a biblical man? But we men, oh, I'm busy, man. I got too much going on. Really? Really? We've used the church as a crutch to drop our young men off to thinking they'll teach them how to be a biblical man. Well, there's not even even men there. How's that happening? Every second of every day, $3,000 is being spent on pornography. It's not a misprint. Pornography is eating young men alive right now. And it's eating older men alive too. 2020, pornography took in more revenue than Major League Baseball, NBA, and the NFL's revenues combined. Pornography took in more. The number of young men I'm mentoring right now, that the number one issue in their life is pornography. I just, I'm I'm meeting with a young man right now, his wife has come to me and my wife. If his wife walked through that door right now on a scale of one to ten, she's a fourteen. He will not have anything to do with her sexually. I mean, my wife slants her eyes a certain way. I'm all over it. I just don't get that. How about you Got You get that? You know why? He's addicted to pornography. He's eating him alive. They need to be in a setting where they can talk about it, have other men help them with it, but they're going to be surprised how many older men are struggling with the same thing or have struggled with it and can help them. But how are we creating that context to do that? I'm not knocking what this, okay? We're not doing that at a men's breakfast. Y'all may be, I don't know, but most churches, they're not, you know, you get what I'm saying? I'm not being critical. I'll just using an example, okay? Because most churches aren't even doing that. <laughs> so I'll give you a pat you on the back. I mean, again, let's just keep going down through here. On average age of a male video game user is 35. I'm not against video games. But I'm telling you guys, the average age should not be 35. But, but here's a stat that goes along with that. One-third of young men ages 20 to 30 today still live with their parents. That's a 100% increase in the last 20 years. They don't know how to function as men. They're staying in the basement until they're 35. I mean, go, go down to 18 to 35-year-old men spending more time playing video games each day than 12 to 17-year-old boys. I'm not against video games. I'm not against a 50-year-old man playing video games. So, okay. But that, when that's the average age, whew, something wrong. They're still in their adolescence. All right, go back up. Only 5% of Christian men ages 39 and above say so they have a best friend. I'm telling you, men don't have friends. Yeah. The number one thing we've learned in the last 14 years with this context I'm going to share with you in a minute. The number one thing that flips on the board is all these men go, I didn't realize I never had any friends until I did this. I've just had relationships and acquaintances. The enemy's got you right where he wants you. First, 1 Peter 5, 8, adversary goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter wrote that as a little description of what used to happen with the flocks so the shepherds would move them out in the perimeters where the wild animals just waiting for what? Want them to drift off so he could devour them. That's exactly what the enemy's done to us. He's got men isolated, disconnected, and indifferent. Most men, the only accountability they have in their life is the mirror they look at every day. And I'm pretty good at looking at that mirror and convincing myself of a lot of stuff. But for the last 14 years, I've had men in my life that ask me tough questions every week and hold me accountable. Here's, here's one I'm going to throw at you. How many of you guys could raise your hand right now and tell me without exception that you know, that you know, that you know, that you have at least six men praying for you and your family every single day? Okay, in fact, how many of you have six men in your life that you're praying for their family and Him every day. Guys, we should have that. I've had it for 14 years. And there's, man, I I don't know about you guys, I have some days that suck. Anybody? I have some tough, difficult days with my family. But to know that six guys are lifting me and them up in prayer every day? Nothing like it. I mean, I'll get a text message just random. Hey dude, I just prayed for you. Right in the middle of some crap. 90 million men are not involved in any kind of discipleship. They'll go to church, but I'm talking about discipleship. What Jesus did with 12 guys. Fewer than 1% of church going men participate in any sort of ongoing men's ministry. You could slash your discipleship program. On any given Sunday, 13 million more adult women and men in America churches. This Sunday, almost 25% of married church going women. Will worship without their husbands. And like I said, fewer than 10% of churches are able to establish or maintain a vibrant men's ministry. Moving forward, guys, in our culture today with the church is, is learning to dis- how to disciple the greatest asset sitting in every church, mm-hmm. which is men. men. Men is the greatest asset sitting in your church today. How are you using that to do what the ultimate goal of the church is, which is what? To make disciples we got to have a plan. We have a, we've got to have a pathway. We've got to have something that men can embrace and engage and connect to that will take them where they want to go. Because here's what I've learned. I have never met a man who wants to be a knucklehead. Every man I've ever met wants to make a difference. Why? We were creating God's image. Every man, every man is God's man. Every man is capable of making a difference, and every man wants to. But what we're learning is most men don't know how in the world to do that. They're just out here, their head's above the surface, and they're under the quicksand doing all this activity and not going anywhere. Men need intentionality. Men need structure. Here's the four focuses we've zeroed in on with men that we've seen the Lord take and do something with it. First off, the first focus on your hand out there is... The men have to realize the man they will someday be, they're now becoming. When a guy discipled me years ago, threw that out at me, I'm like, that scares me to death. That the man I'm someday going to be, I'm now becoming. You know what most men don't think? They don't think now matters. I'll get to that. When kids get a little older, life slows down a little bit. like, right now, this minute matters. And we got to start helping men think that way. But if you don't have something to give to them, to take can embrace and go somewhere with it, don't talk to them about that right now matters. Because if you're not giving them something, you don't believe right now matters. But I'm telling you, when you get a man to start thinking, man, I'm someday going to be. I'm now becoming. Oh my gosh, give me something. Help me. Help me. And here's where all that centers around. The biggest epidemic we've learned in 14 years with men, and I think it's the number one epidemic in Christendom today is identity. Most men believe which leads into the second focus. Most men believe most men believe what they do, what they have materially, and who they know is who they are. Would you agree? You meet somebody for the first time, another man, within a few minutes, what's, what's the first question? Well, do what you do? Why? That's where we get our value. So let me go with it again. Most men believe what they do, the things they acquire, and the people they know so is who they are. Right where they, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. And here's what we've learned. If, the, if, those things, if any of those things are out of whack in a man's life, He'll step into that corner right over there and just say, y'all play without me, I'll be over here. And that way we have a male leadership crisis. Steve Ferrar passed away a few months ago. used to say this, if you took every problem in our society, he didn't care what it was, teenage, pregnancy, he went through this whole list, and you boiled it down to its most common denominator, it's a lack of male leadership. Guys, what's going on around us did not fall out of the sky. We let it happen on our watch because we're not leading. And the reason we're not leading is we don't know who we are. Young men, you talking about a generation that doesn't know who They are so stinking confused right now. You know why? Because the guys above them don't know who they are. I just turned 58 a few weeks ago. My generation, we don't know who we are. So how in the world can I help some 30-year-olds figure out who they are? How can I help my own two sons know who they are? if I don't know who I am? greatest truth I ever learned from the Lord was He taught me who I was and who I am. Game changer. Changed everything. Changed my marriage. Changed everything. Because here's what I learned from a scriptural basis. That what I do is not who I am. But who I am does have a huge impact on what I do if I really know who I am. I'm telling you, when you realize you are who God says you are, no matter what's happening right here, I mean I'm telling you guys, you read this, you'll go, Oh my gosh, what a mess you were. But see that what I did wasn't who I was eventually. I learned that. All that stuff didn't define me. He does. I'm justified. I'm no longer condemned. I'm the righteousness of God Himself. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm a saint. Hallelujah. So call me saint from here on out. I'm a child of God. I'm the apple of His eye. He loves me more than I could ever love myself. And I could give you a whole list of these verses. And you know what's cool about all these verses I would give you? That the action there is present, past tense, completed. I don't have to earn it. I won't become it. I am it. And guys, when I I learn who I am, it does change what I do. It changes the way I love my wife. She's no longer on a performance-based deal with me like I thought she was. My kids, same thing. They're not on a performance-based deal with me. I look at them totally different. And I'm telling you, the last 14 years, the number of men that have stepped into this context I'm going to share with you and have learned their identity and it's changed everything. And they are out here making disciples. Now, before I can move into the next thing, I want to validate my point here that identity is the key. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Jesus steps out of the crowd on the pages as an adult on the pages of history at the Jordan River. Goes down into the water, asks John the Baptist to baptize him. We know John resists, but he finally does it. And in Luke it says there, verse 22, that the skies opened up like a dove came down, landed on his shoulder, and God spoke orally, right? What did he say? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, most people read that and just move on, right? Well, let's think about that a second. First off, I read that and I go, why did God do that? Did Jesus not know who He was? Nope. Jesus knew exactly who He was. Jesus knew what He came to do. I mean, he knew all that. So I'm like, well, why, why did God do that? I mean, He may probably sound like James Earl Jones when He did it. and you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Did he, was He just showing off? No. Luke was a physician. He wrote in chronological order, right? Very organized guy. So you go read Luke's account, everything's in chronological order. What's the very next thing that happened to Jesus after he John baptized him, Luke chapter four, temptation. went into wilderness temptation. After forty days at his weakest point, what did the enemy do? Very first thing he did, what did he do? If you are the Son of God, ha! What's he attacking? Jesus' identity. What did God know that would be Satan's ploy always? Very first thing Satan hadn't had an original idea in a long time because they all work. But his number one ploy is to get you to doubt who you are. So God proved it to us right there, even His own Son. That's the key. I'm telling you guys, that's the key to this whole deal. You got to get men in a setting where they can learn who they are. Because if you don't, focus to what a man does, he'll think is who he is. But when he learns what he does is not who he is, but who he, does, who he is does have a big impact on what he does, it's over. Game changer. And then the third focus has got to be okay, how does, guy, how does a guy go about learning that, that truth? When the average Christian man, look at me a minute, the average Christian man, Research shows spends less than 10 minutes a day in the Word and in prayer. And I believe that's giving them a lot more credit than they deserve because I don't believe it's 10 minutes. How in the world is a guy ever going to learn that he is who God says he is if he's not spending any time with he who says he is? But you know what most men tell us? They don't know how to do it. Oh, I'm doing a one-year chronological reading. Really? Tell me what you read this morning. No, that was yesterday. I think we were in Second Chronicles. You with me? No. It's got to be intentional. So what we were learning is men aren't giving God time enough so He can teach them enough, so they'll learn enough to trust Him enough to let Him live His life through them. You know another great truth I learned? Where it says, that we're, as husbands uh, our wives as Christ loved the church, do you realize that's a sense of humor a little bit there with God? He's laughing at us because He knows that's humanly impossible. You know that, don't you? How many of you have tried to do that? That sucks, man, that's hard. But you know what he wants to do? He wants you to give him time enough so he'll teach you enough, so you'll learn enough to trust him enough to let him who is in you live his life through you and love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you'll get all the credit. You know what my nickname is with my wife's friends? Mr. Wonderful. I'm telling you guys, they think I'm the most, uh, that I'm amazing. But you know, all I do is I rest and let God love my wife through and it blows her friends' minds. And I'm going to tell you, I have a rock star marriage. And it's because I've learned who I am to let him live his life through me and love her the way she needs to be loved. I mean, she thinks, I mean, you got long, she thinks I'm Fabio. Look at my hair compared to him. So, how do we do? We've got to give men a structure where they can give God time. But most men, you ask them, they're like, I don't know how to do that. And my church's not helping me. Because, again, what did I say? Show me your plan to build your men into disciples so they'll be disciple makers. Show it to me um okay so so then how are they learning how to give god time enough i mean maybe they'll go do it on their own so that's all we did was we 14 years ago we started to create a context where daily men could grow in their relationship of pursuing god's heart learning who he is so he could teach them who they are and then it's over but also inside that context we we put them weekly with other guys to build friendships and to have accountability. And I'm telling you, if you give guys those three things, they'll keep showing up. Let me prove it to you. We call that a fire team. Most men don't want to be in a small group. They don't want to be in an accountability group. They don't want to be in a Bible study. Are you with me? Matter of fact, all over your phone right now, I want you to roll and we're going to call 10 of your buddies and ask them, hey guy, you want to be in a Bible study with me? Or how about accountability? Let's see how how many yeses you get. But you know what we learned? It's not what you say, it's how you say it with men. Here's what we learn. Hey, Rich, would you be be interested in getting involved in a fire team? What what is it? Well, it's six of us. We meet once a week. It's kind of like getting in a foxhole together in the military, taking heat, and helping each other fight this battle that's going on around us as men so we can be better husbands and fathers. Would you want to do something like that? Nine times out of ten, what are you going to hear? Oh, yeah, I'd do that. Well, then after about six months, the guys figure out they're in a small group Bible study with accountability in it. But guys, I'm telling you, with men, men's ministry, small groups, accountability, thats blood in the water. We got men in these fire teams that won't even go to church, but they'll show up every week in a fire team. 6 a.m. somewhere, and some guys, my my team met this morning at 6 a.m. in the uh, lobby of a dental office. One of our guys is a dentist. We've been doing it for seven years. It's the third group I've been in. But let me share this with you how I know guys dig this and react to it. You know what the average tenure of our fire teams is the last 14 years? Eight years. Now you go show me something else out there where guys are showing up every week for eight years. So let me ask you a question, Michael. Why does my five buddies get up at 6 a.m. back? You know, in Kentucky in January, it gets a little cold. About five degrees one morning. Guy gets up at five o'clock, drives all the way across town to meet with us at 6 a.m. When he could have stayed in that bed, mama feels pretty good. It's warm in there. Why does he keep doing that? He's getting something out of it, isn't he? But we've, supposedly we've quit on men. No. Guys, I'm telling you, they'll react. They'll keep showing up for eight. Years. I mean, we got some team. You come by our booth, watch some videos down there. We got, some team. we got a testimony. One guy, he's been in his team for 11 years. He wouldn't trade it for his wife. I'm telling you. Guys dig it. Why? Because they're giving God time enough to teach them enough so they'll learn enough, to trust Him enough, to let Him live His life through them. And they're learning their identity, and it's over. And they'll be disciple-makers. The guy you're going to see in the video downstairs, you come by the booth 11 years, he started two other fire teams of young guys. He's got three of them now. He's making disciples, right? Which leads to focus number four. When you do the first three things, number four, men will start pouring what's in their bucket into someone else's bucket. You know what that's called? Making disciples. This isn't rocket science. There was a guy named Jesus who did exactly what I'm talking about with 12 dudes. And those 12 dudes changed the world. Again, it's a, it's a fire team. It's a weekly structure. You go, man, you're talking about getting these guys together weekly? Yep. See, we think that scares them. Nope. If they're getting something out of it. Now, does that mean they're there 52 weeks out of the year? No, life happens. Somebody can't be there. They're traveling. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that happens. But they've got a structure to always go back to. Now, The core of what we want to do is we want to change each individual man's life. And then the group setting is just a way to share and talk about it. I mean, like this. How many of you have heard lately some guys say this, come out of their mouth? I didn't realize how cool it was to sit around with a bunch of dudes and talk about God's Word. When's the last time one of y'all heard that? Tell me. You know what? Most of y'all are like, dude, I've never heard that. We hear it all the time. I'm telling you, we hear it all the time. And I'm talking about manly men, too, because I'm telling you. I've cried with a lot of my guys. I've held some of my guys. And the number one thing we hear from guys, there's two things that start on this adventure. Number one answer on the board, didn't realize I never had any friends. These guys are now the best friends I've ever had. And number two is I'm in God's word now like I never have been before and it is living and breathing like God says. So we wanna provide that for them. So what we did was we just, we created this weekly structure and we just provide everything. We provide you the content, the the structure, the support, we, do, I mean, we provide it all. Because here's what we've learned with men and with, ch- with churches. If you don't do that, nothing happens. I'm just being honest. If we don't do that and we leave them to their own, nothing happens. Now, we got, we, got indivi- we got individuals using this, not even in a fire team. That's great. We got men that aren't even associated with the church doing fire teams. But then we have a model where we partner with the church too and help them. And basically what we do is we do, I mean, we do it. We run, we do everything. We run the whole thing. We help put the teams together. We provide all the support, the encouragement, all the analytics, and we provide it all. We do everything. Because again, we've learned, if you don't do that for the church and for men, nothing happens. If we go, hey, here, church, just take this box and go, it'll be sitting on that shelf a year from now. So we're like, just let us do it. So how does this work for the individual men? That's what I'm really going to focus on. Initially, when we started the teams, we did everything obviously with printed books. So I've written nine studies. Aren't you impressed? Mm -hmm. St. Tim, right? (laughs) Okay. And then the guy who discipled me, who has impacted hundreds of thousands of men, laid out in the same format, six So we have six of his studies, and we're going to be adding four more. And we just keep feeding this resource machine that we've created. So let's say tomorrow you wanted to go start a team. Well, we've just released this new platform last fall. We had it custom built for us. It's a game changer. This is the way we're going to engage the next generation. Cause we get some 25 year olds in the team. We hand them a, a book. They're like, you know, cause you know what they want to do. They want everything right here. Well, we've done that for them. Okay. But even old guys like my fire team, two guys are still using the workbooks. And the other four of us are using this doesn't matter, it's the same content, okay? So, if you want to go start a team, first off, the first step you would take is you go in here and set up a profile, okay? And on the profile for free, you can take all these personality tests, find out all this stuff about you, take a spiritual gifts test. I mean, it gives you this elaborate stuff that you can create a profile of yourself. If it's a church partnership, we're able to provide that analytics to the church then too. If you're a pastor sitting in here, we, we'll let you know who all your uh, spiritual gifts these guys are and how many here's the guys that are intergram eights and all, you know so you want to connect and do some things okay so you set up your profile and then you say okay now we're going to start a team well you pick a time and a day and a place and you get your guys together that first morning evening whenever it is or now we have virtually you can do it virtually okay and right here's how you do the whole thing walks you through every step videos that go with it how your first five meetings are outlined for you. I mean, I mean it's as detailed, because again, who are we dealing with? Dudes. I mean, the number of phone calls I'll get about, what are we supposed to do in the first meeting? Well, right, hold on a minute, hold on. You see that right there? First meeting, now you may not know what agenda is. So what agenda means, what you do, okay? <laughs> We're involved at the week five juncture. In a conference call with them, right into their team, meet with them hands on with the team. We also do that at week nine. We do it at week 16. I mean, we are hands on with them. And then we have a schedule that kind of starts to flow, you know, kind of dissipate over time, not be so hands on. So that's how, so the whole process. Now, studies. So we still have the, the printed studies available, but now every study we do is done digitally now. So the identity study, which is our number one piece, the core piece of what we do, it's the first study the guys do in the teams. We're actually redoing it. It's going to be called Don't You Know Who You Are? We, I wrote this thing 13 years ago, so I'm updating it and make some changes to it. And it's going to be released uh, about the middle of August, or the, the new version of it. So, how does it work? Well, it clicks here. Here's the intro, the little intro video, week one. Day one, read Genesis chapter two. There's three questions you answer and you share your thoughts. There's not an answer key either in the back. Okay? Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Finish it. You come together with your team each week and you follow the the, uh, discussion deal and discuss it with your team. You also work through the accountability questions. There's 10 accountability questions that you start working through with your team from day one. And And you start to grow in that process as well. Um, and then there's videos if you want to do the digital way. We have a, all of our support, and we have a monthly check-in like it went out yesterday. We ask somebody in the team every, every month to answer these five questions for us so we can know how to help. But again, like the one I got today, earlier these reports, I was looking at it when we were setting up. One team, the guy sent, he said, well, we've got a guy in our team who he just won't, he just won't talk a lot. Okay, well, we've been doing this 14 years. Here's some ideas to maybe engage him, and help. so again, we just want to help. Okay, so we have them fill out this re- this report every month and send it to us real quick, and then all of our support mechanisms we have a we have a podcast that goes out once a month. We do a thing called Man Minutes that gets released every other week. They're little short to six to eight minute videos with. Different guests and things I have and zeroing in on a topic. Just some encouraging things for guys to pop up, show up in there. They get a notice of it, click it, watch it. And you're like, oh man, I needed that today, or whatever. Uh, Alternating weeks from the Man Minutes, on Thursdays, we send out an email called the Thursday Thought. And we have lots of contributors to that. Just again, encouraging guys, keeping them focused, because we know guys are quitters. So we just want to keep supporting them and encouraging them. I mean, like I said, the podcast. We've got lots of video testimonies here, stories to just kind of encourage you. You can go watch. Um, now this is the first layer. We're building two more layers of this thing. It's going to be unbelievable what this thing's going to do eventually. Um, and obviously, you figured out I'm not the guy building if it's going to do that. So there's a really smart guy doing it. As much as I hate technology, I mean, COVID taught us what technology can be used for the gospel. And we need. And I'm telling you, if we're going to engage these younger men, we you got to do it. And I see the day ten years from now where the pendulum is going to swing that probably 70 percent of our fire teams will be done virtually. Like right now, I'm in my in person, but then on Sunday nights, I'm in a virtual fire team with five other guys in four different states, and it is really cool. Some of them are some guys I grew up with, who we used to do, we used to sin really well together, and now we're doing this deal together. But like there's a, a team that uh, he called me today on the way as I was driving up here. They met last night. It's a virtual team. And all the guys in there in their 30s. And before, when we only had the in-person option, none of those six guys would have gotten a team. Because they're like, dude, I got three kids. I'm going to this practice, this practice. I don't get to breathe till 9 o'clock at night after they go to bed. Well, you know what time this fire team meets? 9 o'clock. Virtually. And they said they've only had one time. That all six of them weren't on. They're getting the same thing. It's just a screen. And matter of fact, it's more attractive because the guy can sit in his underwear on his couch and be discipled. Now, how cool is that? And not have to drive across town. I mean, you guys that live in big metropolitan cities, the virtual team is the deal. Now, we encourage them once a month, once every six weeks, get together and have you know dinner or breakfast or something you know but again guys it's just some it's it's some effort it's some intentionality it's something because i'm gonna tell you what ordinary and the same old same old ain't getting us nowhere so i tell guys all the time what do you got to lose by trying this you grow a little bit with jesus you know now this isn't the answer do we have teams that fail absolutely do we have guys that drop out absolutely yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of other things. Like, you're, each fire team then can create their own community, their own group. You can drop prayer requests in there, and every time one drops in there, you get a notification of it, you know, or you want to send a message. I mean, so we have that capability inside this as well. So, you know, some of this I don't even understand. Here's the other thing we learned. When I wrote these studies and we started to put this together, one of the things I struggled with, I'm like, okay, you got six guys that are probably going to be at six different levels in their maturity with Jesus. You with me? Right. So how do we make this where it fits those categories? Well, I had a buddy of mine share, me, share this thing he created called the Four Levels of Discipleship. The level zero is a, is a non-believer, but he knows who Jesus is, has a little interest. And guys, we've had guys in these teams that aren't Jesus followers that have become Jesus followers right. because they were starving for something with other men, friendships and accountability. And all of a sudden they bumped into Jesus along the way and got saved. So we got to level zero. Then we got to level one guys. I mean, some of these guys could be guys that have been saved for 20 years, showing up at church, but never spending any time in the Word much. Don't know a lot about the Word. Then you got to level two guys who are the learners. They're guys that are kind of learning, they're growing, so forth. Then you got to level three guys, which is the ultimate goal, which is the multiplier and the discipler, who's very mature. So we knew we were going to have some of these teams. You might have two ones, two twos, a three, so we're like okay we want to always teach the highest level but how are we going to make it where everybody is growing and getting something out of it and it's just been really cool as we've structured the, the studies and the way we did the questions and all that uh, the identity sp- study especially i kind of compare it to a swimming pool we kind of started in a three-foot end and some of the guys that are used to swimming and jumping off the high dive have told us hey i'm okay with that matter of fact some things are I needed to hear again. It needed to be reinforced. I knew a little bit about it. But then then we move you into about week four or five of the study, we move you, we move you into the six-foot end. And then get to about week nine, you're moving into the eight-foot end. And then by the time the last seven weeks of the study, you're, you're diving. I mean, it gets deep. But you've grown. Everybody kind of together. So we've learned as, as I put the studies together that if we did it from that uh, thought process most of the men or feel like they're getting something out of it and They'll stay as long as they're growing And getting something out of it. They'll get up at 5 a.m. When it's 10 degrees outside drive across town to be with their guys But here's the other cool the other neat thing that we learned is that when those guys start to turn outward then you got to give them structure. I Mean so we've created a mentoring structure I just started my sixth group this past Monday night. I've been doing it for, it's a nine-month deal, once a week, I mean once a month in my home, and it's for three hours. And I, so for 25 to 35, you have to be married. So when I get done with this group, it'll be 43 guys I've done, and they love it. I'm telling you, they eat it alive. And most of them have started fire teams together because I, I do seven guys at a time. And when we get done, they're like, dude, we love this. We've been, well, So let's start a fire team. And they're rocking and rolling. But we've learned, if you want to turn outward, we still got guys like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, here. Here, Rich, do that. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Structure. Intentional structure. I'm telling you, dudes have got to have structure. I mean, you, why does Jenny Craig Weight Watchers System do so well? They're structures. They tell Rich what to eat, when, and how much of it, right? And if you do that, there'll be what? Results. results. There's fruit. You leave rich like, like me to myself, I'm going to eat six cookies when I get a chance. Why does Beachbody, P90X, all, why are all those doing so well right now? They're intentional structures. They tell you what, how, many, how much weight to do, how many reps to do. You with me? And you get results. And I'm telling you, dudes have got to have structure. David Morrow wrote the book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. Drove that home to me at one night at dinner. He said, Tim, you're, do- you're doing the right thing. If you'll keep giving these men intentional structure, there'll be fruit. But if you don't, it's not going to happen. Men just have to have it. And I'm telling you, as a church, we've got to start understanding that. You can't just go, hey, come to church on Sunday and expect a man to grow into a disciple maker. You've got to give him some structure. That will take him where he wants to ultimately go. And I'm telling you, men don't want to be knuckleheads. But we get, that, we get called that a lot today because we're out here like bobbleheads. We, I mean, we're so confused. I recently had a guy who's been a, a, a campus crusade director for, for, on college campuses for 38 years. He's has, he has six campuses he's responsible for. I had him on our podcast, our last podcast uh, earlier this month. And he shared with me, he said, Tim, these last two uh, groups of college kids, freshman boys, I've had come in on these college campuses. He said they're the most scared bunch of kids I've ever seen. They're the most confused group of kids I've ever seen. They're the most isolated, even though they got 2,500 friends on social media. They're the loneliest, most isolated generation I've ever seen. And none of them know how to do anything. Especially solve problems. And he said, you know whose fault it is? The men older than them. I truly believe, guys, we are seeing Judges chapter two play out again, right? Verse ten, right here in front of us. I love that verse. It's one of the verses that drives us. Re up. One generation after Joshua died, it says this, and there arose a generation who did not know the Lord, nor the work that He was capable of for the nation of Israel. Welcome to two thousand twenty-three. And it wasn't that generation's fault. Whose was it? The one between them and Joshua. You know whose fault this is? All these numbers and everything? <laughs> Go look in the mirror. Because if I took all of you right now and lined you up against that wall and I said, tell me, each one of you, tell me how much time you're investing in other men on a weekly basis and even the next generations. Tell me how many of you are doing that on a weekly basis and how much. You know what the response will be, don't you? Very little. But then we want to throw stones at the younger generations of all the crap. You know, they're lazy. You, know, you with me? You know the drill. You know what I, what I do now? I told you I was pretty intense. When a guy starts complaining about the next generations, I punch him. Not, not in the face. Some of them I wanted to. And here's what I say after I punch him. I say, Rich, so what are you doing about it? What do you mean? Well, what are you doing about it? Well, nothing? Then shut up. The great I am is who He says He is. Yeah. Men ask me all the time, the last 14 years of this ministry, if you read my book, I mean, I had some, I've had some crazy things happen to me health-wise. I shouldn't be here. Lord, I, you know, anyway, crazy stuff. But they say, you know, man, t- tell me something, boy, just tell me something significant. Some truth, you know, you've learned. Some theological thing. I'm like... I, 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 it's all I can tell you. And I, kind of, I tell him I said, now look at me right now, Rich. He is who He says He is. And a lot of them look at and go, well, that sounds pretty simple. No, 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 no. You know what? That's all we need to know. Really. Really. Think about the... Con- if you really know that He is who He says He is, that's all you need to know. And that you are who He says you are are because he is who he says he is.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. Like I said, go to reupmen.com and also check out God and a Man podcast by Tim Brown. That concludes all the track sessions from our most recent forum in Indianapolis. I hope that you enjoyed those episodes. Up next, we've got a special interview with Anthony Walker. He was on the Jason Whitlock Show, and he currently co-hosts the podcast, Scripture in Black and White, with our point leader, Bobby Harrington. I'm about to record that here in just a little bit, so I'm very excited for you to hear that next Monday. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, please go ahead and do that so that you know exactly when I release that episode. And as always, thank you so much for being a listener of this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you.